In this edition, we respond to listener emails talking about marriage, going to a Lutheran seminary, and answering the question, are there one or two baptisms in the Scripture? A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. See? Yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, the guy that's there to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, maybe. The, maybe. the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Table Talk Radio, Excellence in Christian Journalism. Thank you. And uh, today, Glad to be here. Today is a special program because we are concentrating all of our efforts, all of our attention to you, our dear listener. Yes. As opposed to normal, which we concentrate on what? Uh, we are going to be spending time answering listener emails, so we appreciate it. We have 12 listeners, and each one of you sends probably five emails a week, so thanks for that. <laughs> well, I, no, I think I, that's probably each listener sends one, and then there's Chris, and it averages out to five. <laughs> that's right. That, that's more true to the facts. Uh, it is nice that every single one of our listeners emails in, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. appreciate that. But first, buzzwords. I got a good one for you because I found this book called Encyclopedic Dictionary of Cults, Sects, and World Religions. Now, I remember you, you quoted that book before. Now, why is it that you just are coming upon it again? Because you asked me what it was called. <laughs> I pulled it off the shelf. I think this book, we got this book to play games. You could open it up and guess something, and there was... What I think anyway. is funny is that uh, uh, show prep can never be a singular uh, task. It's always coupled with something else, like... If I got to get this book off the shelf, I might as well make some show prep out of it. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. Oh, now you made me lose my spot. Dreadlocks? Look, here, Dreadlocks is here. Drawing down the sun? That's a witchcraft thing. Hmm. Ah, here. This is what I was looking for. Dualism. Ah, okay. Dualism is uh, a term used to describe the Neoplatonic and Gnostic bifurcations between spirit and matter. Got it? Rather than viewing the body or flesh and the spirit or soul as being harmoniously conjoined, dualists see the flesh and the spirit at war with each other. Furthermore, the flesh is viewed as being evil and counterproductive to the soul. The Manichaeans were dualists. The ascetic tradition within the Christian church 
traditions within the Christian Church were influenced by dualistic tendencies. Many cults and religious movements today embrace dualism in one form or another. Traditional Christianity rejects it as being heretical to view the body or the whole of creation as being evil, while the spirit is conceived of as being good. All of God's creation is believed to be good precisely because God created it. The Bible declares sin as evil, not the body or the flesh. Did you say that the that dualism was uh, the body versus spirit or the soul versus spirit? Mm-hmm. Body versus spirit. Oh, I heard soul. Okay, body. Got it. Uh, this is what I said. That does make more Rather sense. Rather than viewing the body or flesh and the spirit or soul mm-hmm. as being harmoniously conjoined, dualists see the flesh and spirit at war with each other. Gotcha. Okay. There is a dual. Dualism is just kind of the uh, sloppy way of saying Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a little more precise. And there is a dualism that gets there into the church where it says, hey, if it's stuff, it's got to be law or bad <laughs> stuff. Well, spiritual things have to. The realm of spiritual activity is the heart. The heart is the theater of divine actions. Probably someone famous said that. Doesn't it sound like a quote from an age gone by? The heart sure. is the theater of divine actions? Sure. I'm going to Google it and see who said it. Okay. Uh, I think that the way where we see this dualism or gnosticism... Why am I doing your thing? <laughs> You're obnoxious. I just decided... In any case, where we see that, uh, just what you just said is, um, you know, where you have someone say, well, uh, that pastor up there that's baptizing a a baby, that can't possibly be the new birth of regeneration. Why not? Well, because (laughs) spiritual things happen inside (laughs) in the invisible. that's, That's what the Orthodox Lutheran person is always saying to anybody else. But why not? In that that's sort of not way Christ's that body it. and blood. Why not? Why not? Whoa. <laughs> that's so great. Right. What, so, what makes you think now, that? It just so happens if God can adjoin uh, spiritual truth with with the material world like he does with, oh, I don't know, um, a bronze serpent or um, fruit on a tree or things staff. like this. Yeah, staff. Um, then I think he can do it today, even in water or bread and wine. I think that blood of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. By the way, the heart is the theater of divine action. It look. Look, there's nobody who said that. So now Cop- I can quote myself, as I always say. <laughs> yes, let's bring that back. <laughs> that was fun. As we said before, like we always used to. <laughs> All right. All right. Buzzwords. My now. theological. Oh, are you oh, done? you haven't done yours yet. I need to do my theological buzzword. I'm ready. What was mine again? I, Dualism. Uh, dual, yeah. Yours is two natures, different than what yours is. Uh, two natures refers to the two natures of Christ. That is to say, that uh, Jesus is uh, fully human. Um, and also completely divine as the Son of God. So these two natures are united in the person of Jesus Christ. So fully human and fully God, two natures. we got a bunch of unions around, so that is the personal union. And then you have the mystical union, that's the union between Christ and the Church. And then you have the sacramental union, that's the way that Jesus puts his body and blood in the bread and wine at the Lord's Supper. And then we have the civil union, <laughs> oh wait, that's not true. Cross that. <laughs> that's right. Sure. Then you have the labor union. <laughs> those are of a different sort. Okay, uh, those are heterodox unions. Okay, um, now tell us what is. Hey, in store heterodox for us was going to be my buzzword for you. That's what I know. 
You did, but you, but you, you couldn't that? find it in the LCMS encyclopedia. And no apparently, heterodox- I think that's right. Apparently, no heterodoxy here. The LCMS doesn't know of the word heterodox. Okay. <laughs> now, what is the thing that we're doing? That's next? almost broaching on last week's topic. Yeah, that's right. But, but wait, let's let, let bygones be guys. Have you have you, have you by the way survived the thought police the the LCMS stormtroopers? We, we haven't we haven't published. I was so that's why I was asking. I was looking around the church and I'm like, man, you, these are peaceful you, around you here. Wake I wonder, up in the middle of the night. <gasps> what was that? I, I wonder if we've <laughs> if we've published last week's episode. And uh, as of right now, we haven't yet. So things are nice and. But look, the stormtroopers are ready to. They're around. They're ready to close in. I'm, I'm wondering what kind of glass I yeah, have. They're on my in their. Here. They're in their purple fatigues, and they're ready to pounce. Man, <laughs> purple. That's obnoxious on a lot of different levels. All right, ready for the email? Ready. Who wrote this one? You didn't it even says, tell us what we're doing today. Oh yeah, we are we answering emails. Yes. I'd like to interrupt the regularly scheduled mediocrity on Table Talk Radio with this very important theological question. Tommy doesn't know what day it is. He doesn't know who Jesus is or what praying is. How can he be saved from the eternal grave? I'll give you 100 Table Talk Radio bonus points if you can figure out where this question went without, oh, oops, without using Google or Theopedia. And then please help with the Lutheran perspective on a deaf, dumb, and blind boy and how he can be saved. Uh, okay, now didn't we accidentally Google this and figure out that it was from some song like by uh, who wrote "We Didn't Start the Fire," but it's always burning since the wasn't world's that um, Billy Joel? We yeah, isn't this a Billy Joel song? <clears throat> Perhaps I'll look at it. Don't worry, I'll look. I'll Google it again, even though it says don't Google it. No, the Who. It's by the Who. Who? The Who. Do we have a, do we have a problem with someone being deaf, not hearing the word of God? No, because. Well, so now this is a person who is both deaf, dumb, and blind. So you can't see, you can't hear, you can't speak. Again, is that, are, a, is that a problem? I mean, it's a problem for him, but is that a problem for God's Word? Well, so here, this is why, the, this is the temptation of this question. Is Because his senses uh, are shut down, he can't Yeah, because the sen- you, you want um, to take it to... Um, we don't want the the means of grace to be magic to work ex opere operato. So no, we don't want them to work apart from understanding. Uh, and yet, on the other hand, we do not want faith to be a uh, mere intellectual assent. So I think what we say about this kind of situation is this: that the Lord can work faith in someone who does not have the capacity to intellectually reflect on that. As soon as a person does have the capacity to speak, hear, listen, to uh, reflect, etc., then the expectation is that faith would be found in that reflection. But this means so. So the old theologians have talked about fides receptiva and fides reflexiva, reflective faith and receptive faith. So it's it's the same. It's just two really two actions of the same faith. So we we have the faith that receives the Lord's mercy. And then when we're awake and have a mind and are alert, we have the faith that can reflect on the Lord's mercy. Ah, very good. So we want to make that distinction. Well, more of your emails after this commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio Excellence in Christian Journalism. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away.
Table Talk Radio. <laughs> no, that's just silly. Welcome back. Is that the Weezer? Uh, Yeah, you got it. So before the break, we were talking about uh, someone who Listening to Weezer back in the 90s made me want to start my own garage band. How'd that band go? Yeah, well, it never exactly started. My desire to start it started. (laughs) That's the ambition we're looking for on Table Talk Radio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are we talking about? Tommy. We are talking about Tommy who cannot see or hear or speak. Now this and is we I are think... asking the question, is he beyond the reach of the Lord's mercy? And the answer is no. It so happens. And this is maybe one of the great benefits that the Lord has given us in baptism, for example. Mm-hmm. That baptism is water and the word, so that the water and the word can be applied to Tommy. Um and now, so look, here's the where we say, oh, is it, you just baptize anybody? And they say, no, well, no. But if a person has the capacity to, to understand the words, we expect understanding. But if a person doesn't have the capacity to understand, we don't, we don't exclude them from the Lord's kindness. And I think this is, you're right about baptism. We talk about this with infants particularly. Um, you know, I am not a doctor. I'm not sure if you know this, Pastor Wilford. I'm not a doctor. Do you play one on the radio? <laughs> I don't even play one on the radio. Uh, but, Do you know one? Uh, I know a doctor. Um, but I don't personally know the exact science or physiology that goes behind how, like, lungs work or how the heart organ works, mm-hmm. other than that it just does its thing. Like, I know that the heart uh, beats. I don't know what makes it beat. What I mean, it's a muscle, but... I don't even know how the the intricacies of the organs work, but I'm you're ignorant. U- in other words, I'm I'm ignorant. Thank you. But how I, ignorant? I utilize my organs are are. Would you mind telling us some more things that you're I- executive session? Um, the my organs are are functioning even though I don't know how that works, and I think that that could be maybe be an illustration with faith that uh, even though I might not know the. Um, uh, the, what the genus myostaticum is, or uh, the the definition of the two natures of Christ, or uh, any of this kind of thing. Uh, that was your own buzzword. I, Am I still in executive session? I just took you out. Um, hmm. Still, I, I faith receives uh, is received through uh, God's means of grace, and so for a ch- for a child may not have understanding yet, uh, he still receives the gift of faith. Uh, and then he'll grow up and into that understanding. Yeah. Okay. Does that help? Uh, I, Is that good? Uh, yeah. No? Okay. yeah, I appreciate that. All right, next email. Right on. Ooh, hold on, archive this thing, man. It gives you a sense of purpose. <laughs> Boom. Okay. <laughs> Don't More I give you a meaningless sense of suge- Oh, my goodness, this is a long one. Is this by from Chris? Yeah, Chris. Okay. <laughs> this is I just the, read the first This is the Chris and Tillymuck edition of Table Talk Radio. Man, Chris. Upping the average emails <laughs> from one to seven. Chris from Tillamook. Hey there, yo. That's like when Fisk calls me. Merry Epiphany. Oops, a little late. Hope that taking down of the Advent decorations was smooth and uneventful. What is this? This is like, uh, I'm offended for, on so many levels because of this. <clears throat> Enough beating around the bush. Here are my suggestions <laughs> for improving the mediocrity and unyielding hilarity of your show. Hey. Use the random buzzword generator off of Theopedia 
but then cross-reference the term that pops up with our LCMS's own Christian Cyclopedia, which is at this link. So for the term orthodoxy that was brought up in the latest show, you would have actually gotten the orthodox answer of the term orthodoxy from an orthodox website. <laughs> now, I would like Chris to know that I tried to use the Concordia Cyclopedia, the book edition. <laughs> the book edition. <laughs> when was this published on the... Let me see here. Don't worry, I got it right here in front of me. Uh, huh, 1927. I, though... Uh, edited by... Furbinger and Engelder and Kretzmann. Man, that's a dream team of theologians. Uh, to look up the word heterodoxy, but it was not there. But I have it from Theopedia, right. which, is, which is sort of ironic to the point that you're making. Yeah. Uh, the term heterodox simply means any opinions or doctrines at, at uh, variance with the official or orthodox position. Used in contrast to orthodoxy, it is synonymous with the term unorthodox and is even closely tied to the word heresy. That's all. Well, that would be the hair part of the heterodox. But look at this. Uh, the first the first line there, any opinions or doctrines at variance with the official or orthodox position, is footnoted, and the footnote is Dr. Franz Pieper, the distinction between orthodox and heterodox churches. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so when we play this little game that Chris recommends, uh, Theopedia, when when the word we can't find isn't in the the Lutheran Encyclopedia, but it is in Theopedia, the Theopedia article will quote Lutherans. <laughs> that is ironical on a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, like I always say, that's ironic. <clears throat> B, Chris continues, introduce a new game featuring the main strong point of your show, the way in which you pastors argue with each other. Do we ever argue? This particular game would develop the listener's understanding of the development of certain historically significant theological arguments, especially those endured by the church all these centuries. I think we should call it devil's advocate, wherein, and for example, Pastor Wolfmuller argues for a certain theological understanding, say the oneness of the two natures of Christ. What? Look at that! <laughs> I caught it though. <laughs> one is, well, I did two accidentally. Chris gets five hundred points for using this buzzword. Good job, Chris. Uh, the oneness of the two natures of Christ in the incarnation, and Pastor Gagline objects to the orthodox truth, playing the role of the devil's advocate, continually countering, countering Pastor Wolfbuehler's argument with false with the false base of many and various erroneous understandings of the biblical doctrine. You guys pulled this off quite naturally in the Atheist Ten Commandments show. In honor of Hans, I think that's Hans Feeney, you could just nickname the game Patrick. <laughs> oh, Patrick. That's mortalism. <laughs> Apollinarianism, Patrick. Anyway... I saw that, that that little Hans Feeney video has over 320,000 views. That's a lot Dang. for a Lutheran topic. No kidding. The winner can is the one who can carry the argument the furthest. Hopefully it would be the Orthodox pastor. <laughs> In the event that the heretical side remains unanswered, most likely due to ninja gaming skills, books must be consulted. In order to definitely crush erroneous lies or just call Pastor Ketchermeyer. Same oh. thing, same thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Reaching out talking, to other Table Talk listeners, Chris from the Cheesemaker. I was going to say, talking to uh, Pastor Kachmar is basically like consulting a book. That's right. 
Yeah. Although, don't you know that I taught him everything? That I take 100% credit for his orthodoxy? Haven't I told you that? Yeah, it sounds about okay. right. Okay. Half your next show. Here's another one. This is from Josh. Dear Pastors, Pastor Wolfmuller, is it a U or an O? I posted something a long wait, time wait, ago wait, on your Google. That? The answer is it's an O. Wolf with an O. Mueller with a U and an E. Ah, and okay. a couple of them. I so, posted something a long time ago on your Google Plus page. I didn't even know I had a Google Plus page. <laughs> do you ch- Whatever. Oh, here he says, do, do you, you check it? Does you anyone are a check consumer it? consumer of all things social media. No, look at like, so, Google Plus. I'm like, how many people you, are here? You I don't, don't have even a MySpace account. It. You're so obsessed with social media. I do not <laughs> have a MySpace. <laughs> I never, I, the MySpace was not. Ever on my radar. <laughs> You're so cool. Anyway. <laughs> Google Plus. Do you check it? Does anyone check it? It was really important. I forgot what it was about. There is two squared R-shaped hole in my heart right now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> this is a rant. That's part of the inside joke, isn't it? Remember when we uh, uh, uh we, we said we had to come up with a, a trendy uh, acronym for our show? Yeah, two squared R. Yep, that's like the five two version. We're the two squared. Ah, uh, yeah, but this table talk radio hole in my heart. It's quoting Augustine. Mm-hmm. Point two, Josh from Michigan says, one thing I did suggest is a good Lutheran theological buzzword I learned from Pastor Whedon, Miltadinge. What the heck? Maybe I'll change. I'm changing my buzzword right now. <laughs> we need to have uh, Pastor Whedon on to. Tell us what this this word means. I think it means middle finger in German. (laughs) Number three, my six-year-old listens with me because he has to when I listen in the car. Anyway, he was cracking up at the death to the flesh metal. (laughs) (laughs) I was cracking up, too, in a couple of different ways. (laughs) Point four, how many points are in this email? Pastor Wolfmuller, I thought it was interesting that you thought people should be able to be fired for anything on Facebook. I don't agree, but I really do respect the point of view. That said... Uh, what do you opine regarding what recently happened to the fire chief in Atlanta fired for his intolerant views on homosexuality? Apparently one's view on marriage and sexuality has major consequences for how well one puts out fires. I don't know about that story. Do you? I think he just told us the main point, though. Okay, what was the main point? That that here he has Atlanta that. fire chief fired for believing the Bible. Washington Examiner. Four hours ago, this is a recent story. Six Georgia House members have jumped to the defense of the former Atlanta fire chief, claiming he was fired for believing the Bible and should be reinstated. In a move that escalates the fight between Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed and supporters of Kelvin Cochran, lawmakers uh, this week said that firing robbed the former chief of religious freedom speaking right of his views. Okay, well, let's uh, let's figure out what this story is all about. When we get back, we'll uh, have to... Maybe a little tin cans in the news with this with this story. Yeah, sounds good. And to answer uh, the emailer's question, we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio on the beat of the Synodical Stormtroopers. We'll be right back.
podcasting before it was cool. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Somewhere, Somewhere beyond the sea. Somewhere, Somewhere waiting for me. Table Talk Wait Radio doubling as Pastor Wolfman. There's karaoke time. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, um, I think yeah, practicing for the tournament coming up. <laughs> tournament. I was thinking that you should probably be picking the you know, music because uh, you're going to be picking the music at someone's very important day soon. That's right. Let's just not have me pick the bump music because I just don't want you to worry. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. I, we're going to need like two or three auditions, by the way. Did we not tell you this? I got my. I got on Amazon and got some Christian thrash metal for the. <laughs> oh, good. So yes. We should be fine. That'll be the first dance song. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's something. There's probably something uh, like. Um, Marriage, uh, the darkness of marriage, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. chains, <laughs> imprisonment, some sort of Christian death metal marriage thing. <laughs> That'll be good. We could use that for the for the groom's entrance hymn. Do I get to DJ the service too? No, no. In fact, we have a we have a fantastic organist coming to play for us. So, don't you want non Christians to come to your wedding and you're going to have an organist? <laughs> anyway, the fire chief in Atlanta got fired for writing a book called Naked and Afraid. Wait, wait, no, no. No. Who told you that you were naked? <laughs> naked. Naked and Afraid is a show on Discovery Channel. <laughs> this is something different. Okay, well, I think we need to clarify. You, you... wrote a book. I, 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 yeah, okay. So we're reading clarify. an email from Josh from Michigan. He says, Pastor Wolfman there, I thought it was interesting that you thought people should be able to be fired for anything on Facebook. And I think the point you are making, correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, uh, Facebook is a valid avenue to understand, understand uh, it's, it's, a public, it's a place of public discourse. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with people um, being fired for their views on homosexuality. But if, right. but if right. someone went on Facebook and said, you know, I, I just... Uh, I just uh, embezzled a bunch of money from my company. Uh, that would be a valid way to gain information, and so to fire someone for actual misconduct. Is that would that be a fair way That's to right. reconcile? Yeah, it's like so. It's like if I said something on the street that would get me fired, and I said the same thing on Facebook that would get me fired. It's fine. You can't be like, oh, well, I didn't mean it because I said it on Facebook. Right. You said it. Right. Now, now, granted, now, granted, the fact that people are expressing their religious views on Facebook and therefore then being fired because of their religious views, that, of course, is wrong. Right. I mean, that doesn't mean you should be fired for saying anything on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Of course not. Right. Right. So for saying something like, what did this guy get fired for saying that a husband and wife should be a marriage? Is that what the book is about? I can't believe that we even have to have that fight. <laughs> it's like, what? This is insane. The world is insane. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I was at a thing. I don't, this was a long time ago. It was some, there was a bunch of pastors there. They weren't Lutheran. I don't know what I was doing there. Some sort of rally. And there was a guy, a, a, some Baptist preacher. This is pretty good. And he says, he says, uh, I know that marriage is between husband and wife. Because I've seen the parts. <laughs> and that's how they fit together. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> and, 
That was it. It was like that's well, that's right. I mean, it's not really that complicated. <laughs> well, you know, and, so I'll just say, hey, how do you make a baby? Well, let me explain it to you. And some people so, have said, oh yeah, see, you, cri- cri- that'll be. I'm gonna have to do part of that. Uh, you know, for you're getting married here pretty soon. We'll have to do some. You know. Anyway. Anyway, is continue. right. What were you thinking? Yeah, you're. <laughs> You're about ready to enter your second executive <laughs> session, is what you're about to, what's about to happen here. <laughs> and, the, and, and then okay, so everybody's wondering, like, I, I why, why are you so worried about Brian being the DJ? This is why I'm worried about Brian being the <laughs> DJ. People think, oh, come on, he'll do a good job. No, he won't. <laughs> In any case, uh, <laughs> I, forgot what I was going to say, oh, yeah, some people are saying, oh, Christians are just harping on homosexuality. Come on, there's, there's bigger issues. There's other things in the Bible than just homosexuality. But see, this is the thing that the world is taking, uh, ma- making their agenda. If, if, the, if the world was making such a big deal about the doctrine of the Trinity, then they would say, oh, Christians are so concerned about the doctrine of the, of the Trinity. But no one's taking issue with that. Well, I mean, people are. But but nobody's being fired because they believe there's uh, three persons in one substance. Yeah, um, right. They're being fired so because of, of their Aryan view. boss. And, <laughs> right. And they put a link to, like, the Nicene Creed, <laughs> and they get fired for it. Right. But now, it just we would so be happens, talking about that if that happened. Right. It just like, so happens that the what, the what the world wants to celebrate right now is that uh, God's word does not matter on this particular issue of, of sexuality, and uh, they're going to fire, be so intolerant of anyone who would express another view. Now, look, here's the other problem, is that this is not what the church is supposed to do. I mean, it should be obvious to people who are human beings uh, that a marriage is a man and a woman. That should be, that should not, I don't know how that becomes a topic of debate. Like the question, hey, should we kill all the babies in the womb? Or some of them? And that probably should not be a debate. It's like, what are you, nuts? Yeah. It's like someone saying, hey, you want to eat bricks for dinner? <laughs> no. The, the church's dumb. position on eating bricks is yeah, a, I a know. bad it should, idea. It should, it should be a human <laughs> sort of thing. But because we're just kind of not human anymore, just on our head, that the church has to say, hey, uh, you know that thing about having babies well you got to have a man and a woman to do it so that's what marriage should be and then and then you should kill it bigotry <laughs> now if you were if we pastor Melis and i were trying to sort this out today if you were going to be an atheist how would you silence the voice of your conscience because you everybody's got a voice of the conscience and it says hey this is right and wrong and you, you shouldn't kill people and hurt people and take their stuff and you should be faithful to your spouse, and your conscience knows that, but you don't want to follow the conscience, so you got to suppress that voice somehow, because I like this dude over here, so I want to get married to him. Do not splice that out as a quote. That's what the con... <laughs> so, the, uh, so what happens is you got to figure out a way to silence that voice, and the easiest way to do it is to say that the voice of your conscience is a holdover from... Uh, when we are a Christian society. And the only reason I think that this thing that I'm doing is a bad thing is because the church has programmed me to think that. So instead of locating the problem in my own sin and the testimony of my conscience against it, I locate the problem in the church. And now I've got to do everything I can to silence the voice of the church. So so uh, the Christians just sit around, I mean, not even really being that Christian, just kind of being human and saying, hey, it's nice to have babies and wives and things, which is not that offensive thing to say. 
And now that that comes across as the voice that activates the conscience and causes all oh, holy hell to break loose mm. so that you get you get sued for not wanting to make a cake or take pictures of two guys that want to pretend like they're married. Now, this talk about stormtroopers. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of thing that gets the stormtroopers out because it's, it's just a kind of vitriolic sort of thing. This reaction to anybody who would say that that marriage should result in babies. I mean, what? I don't even understand why that's such a crazy thing to say. Uh, uh, right. Whole world's upside down. Well, I do think, though, that this issue is going to um, kind of show forth who's serious about the Bible. I mean, not that, not that homosexuality, has, homosexuality has to be the issue. It just so happens that it is because of the reasons you just cited. So... Uh, so now um, it, it's really gonna. It, I mean, people are fire chiefs are getting fired. Uh, Baker, the, the Baker that you referenced, that big case was out here in Oregon, in Gresham, Oregon, and the courts uh, fined him like seven hundred thousand dollars. The guy already lost his business because um, they had all kinds of boycotting and picketing outside his bakery. Um, and the guy, the guy already lost his business because he refused to to bake a cake for a homosexual wedding. And then on top of that, the, the pretend courts, wedding, yeah. The courts upheld a lawsuit for a seven thousand dollar lawsuit. Um, uh, now, how do you justify seven hundred thousand dollars in damages because they wouldn't make a cake for your wedding? They were super hungry for cake. <laughs> I mean, really hungry. I mean, all of San Francisco is going to have this cake. <laughs> <laughs> they were, <laughs> were going to buy seven hundred thousand dollars worth of cake to eat. Right. Probably, well, but but see, this is this this is my point That's though. A big I mean, wedding. This this singular issue is gonna is gonna draw the line. Am I gonna be a Christian with conviction and live my life according to my beliefs, or am I going to, in the name of uh, being threatened, in the name of uh, financial stability, to say, well, it's not that big a deal. I guess I can I can show approval on this. Well, Unfortunately, look, even, in their culture, I, this is the issue. I don't think you have to be a Christian. I just think you have to, of be course, a, a human being. Uh, I agree. I agree. But but look. Um, the difference is, and, I, and you can come back with me on this, but the difference is, is that that a Christian has convic- uh, conviction for this, um, for the for the guy next to him because of what the scriptures say. Whereas the the normal human being says, "Look, I don't think that's right, but if you want to go do that, feel free." You know. So it's a difference of is this a moral issue or is this kind of a obviously I know that this isn't what uh, how the parts belong. Well, I know, but it's, I mean, a normal human being ought to also be able to see that family is a fairly important institution in human society. So you, you there's, there's never really been a time, except for the Romans who were half drunk, <laughs> that thought that the this was okay, Romans. and besides it destroyed their whole society. I mean, you just go, I mean, any kind of, it's part of the Tao. Remember how C.S. Lewis wrote that little book criticizing the grammar and he talked about the Tao, the Tao, the, the, the standard morality of all people of all time. This is It's just part of it. Hey, uh, marriage should be a husband and a wife. So, but you're right. We got the Bible behind us, too. You don't even need the Bible. It's just obvious. <laughs> all right. Maybe after we get back from this break, we'll finish Chris's email at questions at tabletalkradio.org. This is from Josh. Oh, hey, Josh. don't give Chris credit for this one. Sorry, Chris. Josh. Thanks for the email. We'll be right back. You're on Table Talk Radio. Did you guess which thing is not like the other? Did you guess real hard with all your might? Well, if you 
you guessed, this thing uh-huh. is not like the others. Well, then, I think Table Talk Radio. It's incredible how well our good looks translate to radio. Welcome back to the one, the only Table Talk Radio. I've got a que- I've got two questions for you. This is the from Jonah. We're continuing on with listener email. What about the rest of Josh's email? No, forget it. It's too long. Josh, take it easy, buddy. Well, he, he, he even said, don't complain about this being long. I just planned 23 minutes of your show. It's, I think it took longer than 23 minutes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Got me on the marriage thing. All right. Uh, here, uh, Jonah writes, Dear Manly, or hello, Chris Rosenberger, uh, Swirla, uh, Cooper, uh, Todd, uh, Brian, and Evan. <laughs> All right. As one of your dozen listeners, I'd, I'd like to ask you guys two questions. I'll ask them both to you, and you can figure out which one you would like to answer. One, what is Lutheran Seminary like? Do you guys sit in candlelit rooms reading the Book of Concord all day? <laughs> what are you doing, Seminary? I've looked on the websites. It seems like you need biblical languages before you go in. What else is there to learn as a Lutheran? Do you spend three years memorizing the liturgy and writing your three years of sermons? <laughs> Question two. Could you exegete John 3 and explain why Lutherans think it is about baptism? Because the Dallas grads I occasionally listen to on Theology Unplugged brushed this passage off, and likewise, in a sermon, my pastor, a DTS, that must mean Dallas Theological Seminary grad, said Romans 6, 3-4 didn't have anything, any water in it and couldn't mean physical baptism. Okay, tell you, tell you what, I'll take the first question, you take the second question. All right. Uh, Jonah continues, thanks for your answers. I'm not an initial teen. I'm a senior, age 17. Hope to go to Concordia, Irvine. Nice. Programs like Fighting for the Faith, God Whispers, Rev Fisk's We TV, Boars in the Vineyard, Issues, etc., Pseudo Podcast, White Horse. Man, that's a lot of stuff. I've gradually changed my paradigm to a Lutheran viewpoint, seeing law and gospel in the scriptures, finally being able to believe that Christ's forgiveness is for me. That's cool. Praise God. Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, so, seminary. Uh, while some people sit around with candles and just reading the Book of Concord all day, uh, in all seriousness, uh, Lutheran se- <laughs> seminary, um, the... the uh, and, and, and this, would, this would be true of other seminaries, Romantic too, not, not just Lutheran seminary. The Book of Concord. But the, I had a personal relationship with the Book of Concord. Me and the Book of Concord, going out on dates. And there's your next executive session. Okay, um, so uh, seminary, and this would be true of other seminaries as well, not just Lutheran, but the seminary um, studies are divided into four different categories. There's the exegetical, <laughs> which means uh, you know drawing from the scriptures. You actually use the word in your email, so I'm assuming you know what exegetical means. But drawing, for the sake of the listeners, uh, drawing from the text the meaning. So we don't want to come to the text with the understanding of what it's all about, and then we're going to lay it on top of the text and say, look, here's my proof text. We're going we're gonna to be as objective as possible with various um, principles of reading this text so that we can understand the intended meaning of the text themselves as written by the authors. Uh, so that's the task of exegetical, and that's why you have to have the original languages down when you go in. So you have a little Greek and Hebrew to understand uh, how this exegesis works. Uh, the next uh, discipline is would be systematic theology. So if, if exegetical theology is coming to the text and trying to draw from the text its meanings, the systematic theology is about taking the meanings and grouping them in, understanding, in, in understandings. So if we were going to talk about the doctrine of hell, 
we we would go through the various teachings of all of Scripture and understand the doctrine of hell as a whole on the basis of the many places in the Scriptures it talks about hell. So uh, there's systematic uh, classes as well. There's also historic classes, the historical department. And, the, and those classes deal with church history. And I think this is important. This is maybe one that's overlooked all too often. Because the fact of the matter is the church has been dealing with the same old heresies and the same old problems from the very beginning. And so often we think that we're the first ones to f- approach this problem in the church. Uh, hey, guess what? We're in a time in which people do not want to hear the Word of God. That is not unique to our situation in life. Uh, people have, the, uh, the church has always been dealing with the fact that people don't want to hear the Word of God. Um, uh, we're, we're dealing with false teachers in the church. Guess what? That's not new either. And the benefit of learning a little church history is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel in learning how to deal with these problems. We can know that the church has already, already discussed this. We can know the church has already brought forth uh, Scripture passages. So you don't have to go through the Reformation every time you, uh, you want to uh, hear, the, uh, hear the gospel. We can learn from the Reformers and, and understand the Scriptures that they have brought to any given argument. Um, and then lastly, there's the pastoral classes, the practical classes. These I are the ones. That's five. Did you list four? Let's see. Exegetical, historical, systematics, and pastoral. Ah, pastoral. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And this is the kind of the practical stuff. Uh, we do take classes in liturgics, so we kind of know what we're doing. So, uh, you know, how do you um, do a funeral? How do you do a wedding? Things like this. Preaching. Podcasting you know. 101. Yeah, stuff like that. So those, <laughs> that's what uh, seminary is all about. But I think, and this is particularly true of Fort Wayne, uh, somewhat true of St. Louis. Um, all of this is wrapped up within the worship life of the seminary because you're going to chapel at least once a day, hopefully, if not multiple times a day. And so everything that you're learning is uh, really being understood in the context of the service of, of, of God giving his gifts and word and sacrament. And, um, and I think that this is what makes the difference between just learning maybe the same topics on a computer to get some certification versus going to the seminary and becoming a pastor. You're really being formed into a theologian so you can handle the situations that are thrown at you in the pastoral office. Typical Ford Wayne. <laughs> all right, now you get number two. What's, you, you what's think, John? By the way, you're like, about? man, four years of that. What are you going to possibly learn? And you leave the seminary, and you're like, man, four years. That's not enough. Right, right. John three. Okay, so look at John three and Romans six. Does it have to do with baptism? And here they one guy brushed it off, and the other guy said that Romans six didn't have anything to do with water baptism. Now the text we want to use to start this is Ephesians four, which says one baptism. So if you're wondering how many baptisms there are, you know the answer. One. (laughs) Now, one of the marks of kind of evangelicalism and neo-charismatic nonsense is that they split up baptism. So you got the water baptism and the spirit baptism, and they say that uh, the spirit baptism is the one that has all the spiritual benefits. Well, if that was true, then there would be no water baptism in the Bible, because every time it mentions baptism, there's some sort of benefit with it. Do you see? Mm -hmm. See the point there? Yep. That's profound. So the reason that we say when John 3 talks about water, I mean, it's because, number one, we see John and Jesus himself baptizing in John chapter 1, or uh, John the Baptist in John chapter 1, John chapter 2, and then in John chapter 4, we also see the disciples baptizing again. The whole thing is about baptism, uh, and Nicodemus knows this and comes to talk to Jesus about it. So when Jesus says you have to be born of water and the Spirit, uh, there's really nothing else that he could be talking about. It's... I mean, the, the the way the evangelicals read it is that when Jesus says you have to be born of water, what it means is amniotic fluid, and that means you have to be born of a womb, and then you've got to be born of the Spirit, and that's the Spirit baptism. Well, that is 
bringing your theology to the text. I mean, both cases. Now, the reason why the evangelicals have so much trouble with it is because they have a preconceived notion that if it's physical, it cannot be of spiritual benefit. Remember, Dualism. as I as I always used to say, uh, the theater of divine action. Wait, <laughs> how does that go? If you're going to quote yourself, you at least get it right. <laughs> the heart is the theater of divine action. <laughs> Brian Wolfmuller, Sira 2015. B.W. <laughs> uh, so they because because baptism happens distinctly outside of your heart, namely on your head, then <laughs> it can't be of spiritual benefit because we're a bunch of Gnostics. Mm-hmm. That's how that goes. I hope that helps. All right. I'm marking this here. Okay. We have about uh, two and a half minutes left. Oh, man, we got time for five more emails. Thank you, this one says. Uh Dear Pastors Wolfmuller and Gagline, my name's Austin. I'm a pre-SIM student at Concordia. I've been listening to Table Talk Radio for about five months. Sorry. I was born in the Lutheran tradition. I found myself being far from a Lutheran. I was heavily influenced by Caberly's three ladders that so frequent your airwaves, as well as being influenced by docetism, pietism, antinomianism, and a lot of other isms. Found my way back into the Lutheran Church for the first time in my life, heard and partook of the gospel, how sweet indeed, by means of your show in combination with Dr. Bierman's classes on iTunes U, visiting Concordia Fort Wayne for Christ Academy, issues, etc., flisks, blah, blah, (laughs) etc. Please keep up the good work. On a lighter note, given that mediocrity also frequents your airwaves, I thought I might express my concern for the current state of the logo for your podcast. For about five months now, I've been staring at a blank podcast screen. I find it interesting that you charge people money for baby bibs, doggy dishes, and perhaps most awkward maternity clothing (laughs) with both of your faces on it, which I have to admit must look a little strange to have both of your faces stretched so tightly over a baby bump of a pregnant woman. I actually don't think that anybody's ever had one of those. Do you still have the offer to send that out for free to any pregnant uh, ones? Uh, probably. Yeah, the podcast, which is free to subscribe, does not have the Table Talk Radio logo on it. I thought I'd point that out. I was uh, at Symposium this year. I was looking for one of you, wondering if you were there in his service, Austin. No, we were not there, Austin, because, look, we cause a kind of a, you know, wherever we go, there's a bit of a crowd and... <laughs> yeah. Logistical problems, you know. They're they're not ready to handle the security. Yeah, it's a crowd of janitors is what it is. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's a good location. <laughs> now, um, you still have the offer to buy any pregnant woman that shirt. Is that true? Has that happened yet? I don't know. Sure. So fantastically creepy. Why not? Uh, <laughs> now, there was a big conversation on our Facebook page about this the cover art on iTunes, which I don't think none of us know how to, we don't know how to do, but we have the artwork ready to go. It is, it is of a sumo wrestler. Remember oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And it says, Table Talk Radio, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because the sumo wrestler is our logo, or our uh, yeah, mascot. Our, yeah. our mascot. Yeah. The pirates and the Vikings and the everything else was taken. <laughs> everything cool. So, so we are the sumo wrestlers. Oh, that's great. Well, you did it. You survived another edition. So thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Oh, I can't think of anything. But the points are like his ability to think of jokes. <laughs> I told you I was tired today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition oh, of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 